gentlemen, I just want to give you a heads up. You have uh, one week from today is Valentine's Day, if that means anything to you. So um, if it doesn't, that's fine. Uh, but I just thought you should know, it's my responsibility. <laughs> How many of you uh, felt a little tired uh, this last week at all? Nobody? Nobody felt tired? How many felt tired since like March of last year, right? <laughs> We're just kind of going through this. And, and I think what we know is that we all need some rest, right? I knew, Kathy, I knew you would like that. <laughs> but we all need some rest. And we're, we're going to talk about this rest and why we need rest and how Jesus models that rest for us and why he needed the rest. And that's pretty much all I have to say today. No. But we need rest. In fact, it's interesting when we look at a poll of Americans, um, 61% of people admit to working while they are on vacation. Now, I remember when I was a kid, I, we would go to our cabin in Yosemite, and there was a landline there, and only a handful few people knew that, that landline number. We didn't want people calling us, right? And so we were out, there was no TV, um, there was a radio that kind of worked, um, but we just didn't do anything that we did normally. We didn't watch TV, we didn't have the phone calls, we didn't have a normal team, we got away. Now, as a kid, I wish I would have appreciated that a little bit more, um, I was too busy wondering if, when I was going to get to learn the, to drive the family Jeep. But we take our work with us, and part of the reason we take our work with us is because we can now. Right? Before we couldn't. But now we can. We take it with us. So more than ever, it's difficult for us to get away from it all. Because we are connected more than ever. Now, these people are texting one another. Um, no, but, but um, you know, it, it's funny how connected we are today. And there's positive things to being connected. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're not. I mean, I don't have to make sure that when my kids went out of the house when they were teenagers that they had a quarter. When, I was, when it was me, it was a dime, right? You've got to make sure you have money because you can't find a payphone hardly at all anymore anyway. So there is value to it to some degree. But there's more than a phone, as you all know, because we are connected, and we're connected like never before, and then enter a pandemic, right? And now it forces us, who weren't as connected, to be even more connected than maybe we even want to be. And we're connected like never before. In fact, it's interesting, they say that close to 40% of the jobs have gone remote, depends on what you read, anywhere between 30 and 40%. Before the pandemic, around 10%, a little less than 10 but they predict that after the pandemic, that, that it's going to drop to somewhere in the mid-20s about who will stay on remote work. That's interesting. We're going to be more connected than ever. We have really no work-life balance anymore. Would you agree? Um, I know that, that uh, many of us love, like I love being able to look at my email because if there, I don't want be, to be surprised when I walk into work the next day. And of course, just so you guys know, I don't feel like I, this is not a job to me. I love what I do, and it's very exciting that I get to do what I get to do. But I have worked in other places before, and I still wanted to know, I didn't like walking into the pharmacy on Monday morning and having surprises, right? I wanted to be able, I already have my mind around it. But it's not healthy, I did not disconnect. So in Luke 2.42, or 4.42, excuse me, we see here that when it was day, he, that is Jesus, departed and went into a desolate place. Now, he needed to do this because as we read in 40 through 41, that at night people came to him. And it sounds like he was an all-night you know, healing service. He was healing people, casting out demons. And when it was day, he escaped to a desolate place. 
And I think it's good for us to consider if Jesus needed rest, how much more do you and I need rest? But yet we find ourselves not resting. Or even if we do rest, it's not good rest because it's not intentional rest necessarily. But here are some ways to rest. What you're doing this morning, believe it or not, gathering together and fellowshipping with other people is a good way to recharge. It's a good way to rest. And we need to do it more often. Maybe it's Tuesday with the quilting ladies. Maybe it's Monday night with the men or Monday night with the women. Thursday morning with the men. Or just hanging out with people throughout the week that you know are other believers. And there's a fellowship there that recharges you unlike any other. We can pray. That's another big thing to do. How many of us, don't raise your hand, how many of us think, man, I could pray a whole lot more, and when I stop and I pray, I feel a lot better about my circumstance. Sometimes I have to pray a long time to get to there, but I know that the Holy Spirit's working to make me rest in what He has promised. Prayer is a good thing because we acknowledge who God is, and when we acknowledge who God is, it really helps us deal with our circumstance a little bit better because He's God, He's on the throne. He knows what, what we need, and he has never left me nor forsaken me, nor has he ever let his righteous ones see decay, and we are righteous in Christ. So prayer brings us to that. Another way is to meditate on God's word. That's why we have the reading plans for you in the back. It's, I really want to encourage you to spend time in God's word. Now, it doesn't mean you have to follow that reading plan, but make a habit of every day spending some time in God's word. Maybe it's listening to a podcast, listening to the Bible um, online. Maybe it's just how I have a daily devotional and there's one or two verses there and we read that it's important to create that as a rhythm of our lives and I never want to put something on you as a guilt trip I only want to encourage you to do those things that I know will bring you rest another thing is disconnecting this might be some of the hardest for all of us especially when well you just said you know read the Bible on my device you know or listen to it on my device and well the, the, the little notification goes off well okay but sometimes it's good to disconnect. I, when I went to my second residency, there was a gentleman there, a young man working on his uh, doctorate was uh, something weird, but, but basically his thesis was looking at certain age groups and how much cell phone use has, de has diminished work uh, productivity. And so he's looking at a certain age. But what he was sharing with the class at one point in time is that, that almost 25% of the times that people pick up their phone, they don't know why. They're just picking it up. And so it's funny because after I went there, I said, well, how many times do I pick up my phone? Right? And I don't know why. Well, I do know why. Maybe I got an email. You know, maybe, maybe I missed the message. Maybe there's something that happened in the last 15 minutes that, that I'm not aware of. I guess we all have FOMO, fear of missing out, right? The phones have created that. Another thing is naps. Now, what I don't understand in this picture is, how is that guy not sleeping? Because every time my kids would fall asleep on my chest, I was out like that. The best sleep I ever got was that. But naps are important. And to prove that, let's talk about high-performing um, people like Jesus. Jesus rested because there was still work to be done, right? He went out and he rested, and he knew that he was to continue taking the kingdom of God, the good news of, of the kingdom, to everywhere. We have guys like Michael Phelps and Tom Brady. Sorry, I couldn't avoid Super Bowl reference today. But these guys value rest. Uh, Michael Phelps gets an average of almost nine hours of sleep a night. You know, when you go to the doctor and they tell you you need to get eight hours of sleep, and you go, yeah, right, well, at least get six is what I was always told. Guy averages nine hours. Now, Tom Brady, now, whether you like him or not, 
not the, not the issue. I know, Mark, you don't like him right now. Because, okay, I get that, right? Because he's, he's the reason you're like, well, what's it going to look like today? But, but I think when we look at his schedule, whether you like him or not, he's 43 years old. He should not be playing professional football anymore. But he has ordered his life in such a way that some people make him a little bit like a machine, right? So he goes to sleep at 8.30 every night, unless he's got a game, of course, right? There are outliers. He wakes up at 5.30, does his workout, does some other things. At 1 o'clock every day to 1 to 2, he takes a nap. This guy gets 10 hours of sleep a day. Over 40% of his day is spent resting. Let's think about God for a moment. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God rested on the seventh day. God did that so that we would understand the importance of rest. So I want to encourage you to take time to rest so that you can serve others like Jesus and take the kingdom to others. You don't just rest so you can go, oh good, I'm getting away from it all. There's intention to your rest. You're resting so that you can go do what God's asked you to do, and that's be his ambassador, to go and make disciples of all people. You do that. So when you rest, you're like, I want to rest. And it's funny because Paul and Terry learned this about me a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, it was Saturday, and I said, I got to leave by this time because tomorrow's Sunday. And we used to deal with our kids, right? Our kids, no, you can't do anything Saturday night because we have something to do tomorrow. Um, and I think that, you know, that's my, I'm not putting that trip on anybody. Although I would ask you that maybe you pray about getting prepared on Saturday for Sunday. Okay, that's a whole different thing. Um, but, but the intention is, wait, I'm going to church on Sunday. Uh, that was free. It's not even in the notes. So there you go. Back to the text in 242, we see this other thing happen here. And the people sought him. So Jesus went away, long night of ministry, went away to be by himself, and they found him. They're like, we're going to go find this guy. We don't know how long he rested. We don't know how long it took to find him. But they came and saw him, and they would have kept him from leaving them. It's an interesting little phrase in there. Because I think it really speaks to us and what I call selfishness. We were not called to be selfish with Jesus, but yet that's our tendency. I just want Jesus to myself. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, no, I came to go. And he invites us to go with him in other places. But we don't want to be selfish Christians. We talked about grace last week. We don't want to be stingy with grace. We don't want to be selfish with Jesus either. So ways that we can be selfish. We compartmentalize our lives. How many of you have had moments in your life you're like, okay, Jesus is fine here, like today. Right? Jesus is not fine when I get to work. Jesus is not fine when I go fill in the blank. But I compartmentalize. Jesus, you can be in this part of my life. I don't want you in this part of my life. Another thing we do is we hide Jesus. We can keep it personal. Well, it's just my relationship with Jesus. Nobody needs to know. It's okay. So we just hide Jesus. And I'm not saying, look, I am not a proponent of going out and beating people over the head with Bibles and telling them to turn or burn. That's not, my, that's not my heart. My heart is that we would live with Jesus every moment of every day and enjoy him. And that would be evident to those we come in contact with. Another way is that we be quiet. There's some times that we have where people are uh, talking maybe about what they believe or they talk maybe despairingly about your Lord and Savior, and you don't say anything. Now, again, I'm never proposing that you go pick a fight. Never proposing that. But at the same time, Jesus did hang on a cross for you. And again, this is not a guilt trip because we're going to get to the point where we realize, wait a second, this is way too much. I can't do this. And Jesus says, exactly, but I will, by my spirit, do it for you. 
Paul said in Romans 1.16, he might go, well, that was the apostle Paul. Well, okay, great. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So my prayer for us is that we would believe that it's the power of God. That we would believe that there is power in the gospel. That we would believe that it's what everybody needs. That we would truly believe that. And that we would be in awe of the power that it's had on our life. So I think it's always good to self-examine because sometimes we can be holding on and being selfish with Jesus. And so what are ways maybe you're preventing Jesus from accomplishing his mission? They held on to him and Jesus said, I, I can't. I got to go preach the gospel to other places. So it's just some things to think about. Again, this is never a guilt trip or a burden trip. Sometimes it can feel heavy. And Jesus wouldn't ask you to, to look at these things in your life, in your church, in your world, in your community, if he wasn't saying, look, I'm going to help you. In fact, I'm going to do it all for you. We see in Acts 4.31, they gathered and they prayed. And the place which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they went and spoke the word of God with boldness. So it wasn't like they sat there and said, okay, you know, I just got to go speak. I got to quit holding back. They stopped and they prayed. Now remember, prayer was one of the ways we rest. But I want us to look at something else that happens. When we rest, we also receive. So when they were praying together, they received from the Holy Spirit boldness. So when we rest, again, that intentional rest is I'm receiving a fortitude from the Spirit so that I can go do what God has asked me to do. So I encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit will give you the boldness to join Jesus to take the kingdom everywhere, right? Jesus said, don't hold me here because I'm going. Other towns need to know. He wants you to say, you know, let's go along with you, Jesus. Let's take that to other towns. In 443, he said to them, I must preach that good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Now, we do know that he was sent to testify of the truth. We do know that he was sent to preach the good news. And he didn't just preach it. He acted it out on the cross, right? He showed us in real life what it means to have good news come to you by the forgiveness of sins. He said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're familiar with this verse, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And sometimes we read this, and, and I had a, a friend of mine tell me once, well, that was to the disciples then. That doesn't, that doesn't count for you now. I'm like, okay, so what other parts of scriptures can I say was for them, and it's not for me now? John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. Was that just for them, or is it for me now? No, it, scripture applies. This is for us now. And sometimes we hear this, we read the scripture, we start squirming a little bit, and we say, you talking to me? Yeah, Jesus is talking to you, and I know this is not comfortable. It would be a lot easier to just be quiet, to compartmentalize, to hide Jesus. It would be a lot easier to be selfish with him, to not share with him, to just hold on to him. It would be a lot easier to do that and just say, just Jesus and me. By the way, that's a big thing in today's church, if you haven't noticed, a lot of people. It's just Jesus and me. No, God called you into his family. Yes, he individually saved each one of you. He saved you into his family. And you're important. Family needs you. Family needs you. 
Sometimes we say, I don't know enough. How many of you have felt like that? I'm sure all of us at one point, how can I share the gospel? I don't even know enough. You know, I hang around people, and they're always reading the Bible, and they're quoting scripture, and they seem to have just this, this idea um, of everything that fits. And God's not calling you to be like them. He's calling you to share your life, which is hid in Christ with them. And remember, Jesus said, do not be anxious how you are going to speak or what you are going to say for what you will be what you are to say will be given to you in that hour this is great comfort when you step out in faith right and you're like okay lord i don't know enough i don't feel confident i don't feel eloquent by the way moses didn't feel eloquent and yet god still sent him doesn't matter how you feel it doesn't matter whether you think you're prepared in fact if you think you're prepared to share the gospel you're probably not because we need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to speak through us at that moment in time. Some people say, that's not my job. That's the preacher's job. That's the evangelist's job. That's their job to go preach the gospel. That's not my job. Well, if he says go, then you were supposed to go. What are the jobs of the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists? They shepherds and teachers. They are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That idea of work of ministry is to proclaim the gospel. So when you gather here together on Sunday mornings, when you gather in Bible studies, when you gather in fellowship, you're, the whole idea is that you're being equipped, you're being built up, you are being given the tools to speak with boldness the proclamation of the gospel. Remember we've talked about how we're so praised when we get together. We're supposed to be a people of prayer. We are a people of proclamation. And we proclaim what is given to us by the Holy Spirit. Be willing, be open. I don't want to be rejected. Boy, when I was in high school, I didn't want anybody to know I was, you know. Yeah, I go to church. That's about the extent of what they would hear from me. I didn't want to tell them, you know, you guys shouldn't be acting like this. You're a bunch of sinners. I wouldn't say that. That's probably not the thing to say to people now anyway. But I didn't want to be rejected. And this really, this is the one that bites a little bit because rejection has to deal with whether when my, my relationship with Christ and what I believe about it. Because he tells me that the one who hears you when we speak, they hear him. And the one who rejects me or you rejects Jesus. And the one who rejects Jesus rejects him who said it, rejects the Father. But that's a tough place for us to be in, right? Because we're the ones that are getting, we're like the middleman, so to speak, right? We're getting the, the brunt of the, the rejection. But we have to remember, wait a second, he told us that blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake because their reward is in heaven. And so we recognize that, wait a second, God matters most. Eternity matters most. Now, again, I don't think that you should go pick a fight and cast your, your wonderful words of the proclamation of the gospel to people you know are going to reject you. That's foolishness. But what I do say is like be open to saying, Lord, how do you want to use me today? That's why we pray, God, what are you inviting me into today? What do you want me to say today? I don't know what to say. I've had people come up to me and say, you know you said this thing once a couple months ago, and usually I'm like, oh, man. you know. But it was, no, God really used that. And I had no idea I was saying it. And I think you all have experienced that too. Someone said something to you, or maybe you said something, and it had profound impact. You're like, I was not trying to be profound. But God used you to speak to that person. We need help. Right? All these things to rest and disconnect, 
to, to be those who aren't selfish with Jesus, to be those that want to go and, and join Jesus where he's going and taking the gospel to other places. We can't do that on our own. In fact, we would not choose to do that on our own. But God has led you here and brought you into this family and said, be equipped to do what I'm asking you to do. And it's exciting and scary all at the same time. But we need to remember a couple of things. Rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. if you don't have this scripture real close to your brain, <laughs> there in your heart, I would encourage you, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he goes on to say, take my yoke upon me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus says that he doesn't want you to feel burdened by the, the, the command of the gospel to go. Why? Because he wants to carry you. He wants to be yoked with you. He's carrying all the weight, by the way. And he is the one that's doing it. He doesn't want you to feel burdened by it, but he wants you to come along. In 1 John, we're told that his commands are not burdensome. Oof. That's, that's a rough one for me, because sometimes I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do that. It feels like a burden. And then the Holy Spirit is like, says, well, are you loving me? Mm. Are you resting in me? Mm. I need to rest in you, Jesus. I'm trying too hard on my own. We're to receive. Remember, they were gathered in Acts 4.31. They were gathered together. And they were praying and they received boldness to go and speak. Listen, don't try to go speak on your own. Receive what God has for you. Receive the, the work of the Spirit on your life. And then you go. Jesus says, i got to go to other towns. This is great. And he wants you to go to other towns with him. He wants you to, to go on mission with him. And share the gospel. Where are we going to share the gospel? Everywhere we share the gospel, we remember that he's always with us. So I would encourage you to say, Lord, help me realize that you're always with me. Because sometimes we don't. But I want to. And pray for one another that they would know that Jesus is always with them. And he's with you taking the good news of the kingdom to your world. Your home. Your neighbors. Your workplace. Where you shop where you hang out. He's taking the gospel through you there. Let's take a moment and pray. Lord, help us to respond in a way that uh, brings us to not feeling like this as a burden, but getting us excited to watch you work in and through us. Maybe there's some areas here, Lord, that we're like, yeah, I, I compartmentalize. Yeah, I don't rest enough. Yeah, Lord, sometimes I, I hide you. Sometimes I, I just feel uh, that you're not even with me at times. Lord, draw us to a place where we can receive from you, Holy Spirit, and give us the boldness to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So just take a moment and, and think about that. I don't want to ever leave a moment where, where we're like, man, there could be some